0: Welcome to the Christ the King podcast. I am Pastor Michael McGinley of Christ the King Lutheran Church right here in sunny Spencer, Iowa. And we are a congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, coming to you this Wednesday, the 9th of March. The season of Lent is not only a season of penance, but also a season of increased and more intense catechesis, the learning of the faith. This is true not just for youth going through catechesis or adults joining the church. It's true for all Christians, maybe those returning to the church, and for those that are in the church. And this reinforces and emphasizes what our Lord tells us in Matthew 28, that we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the triune name, and teaching them, that is, catechizing them, all the things which he commanded, all the things which Christ taught. So then, this Lenten season, for our midweek series, we will be focusing on the second major part of the Catechism, the Creed. And tonight, we will look at the first article concerning God the Father and creation. The next two weeks, we'll look at the second article concerning God the Son, the Redeemer, in His humiliation and exaltation. And then the last two weeks, we will look at the third article of the Creed, God the Holy Spirit, the Sanctifier looking at the third person of the Trinity, and then looking at the Church Catholic. So now we will turn to our Vesper service and the hymn of invocation, Evening and Morning. open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise to thee, O Christ, King of eternal glory. O LORD, my God, Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Blessed be the LORD, O my soul. O LORD, my God, Thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who coverest Thyself with light as with a garment, who stretcheth out the heavens like a curtain, who layeth the beams of His chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds His chariots, who walketh upon the wings of the wind. Who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever? Thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. O Lord my God, thou art clothed with honor and majesty. At thy rebuke they fled, at the voice of thy thunder they hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Thou hast set a bound that they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. He sendeth the springs into the valleys, which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. O Lord my God, thou art clothed. With honour and majesty. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works, O Lord. He watereth the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle, and herb for the service of man, that he may bring forth food out of the earth, and wine that maketh glad the heart of man, and oil to make his face to shine, and bread which strengtheneth man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he hath planted. Where the birds make their nests, as for the stork, the fir trees are her house. The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats, and the rocks for the badgers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works, O Lord." He appointed the moon for seasons, the sun knoweth his going down. Thou makest darkness, and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep. The young lions roar after their prey, and seek their meat from God. The sun ariseth, they gather themselves together, and lay them down in their dens. Man goeth forth unto his work, and to his labor until the evening. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works, O Lord. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the fact of the earth. O Lord, how manifold are thy works! In wisdom hast thou made them all, the earth is full of thy riches. So is the great and wide sea, wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships, there is that Leviathan, whom thou hast made to play therein. These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season, that thou givest them, they gather. Thou openest thine hand, they are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die, and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever, the Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looketh on the earth, and it trembleth, he toucheth the hills, and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live, I will sing praise to my God while I have my being, my meditation of him shall be sweet, I will be glad in the Lord." Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Thou sendest forth thy Spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. The Old Testament lesson for this first Midweek Lenten series on the Creed is written in the first and second chapters of Genesis, beginning at the first verse. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was on the surface of the deep, and God's Spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters. God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light and saw that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening and there was morning, the first day. God said, Let there be an expanse in the middle of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and divided the waters which were under the expanse, from the waters which were above the expanse, and it was so. God called the expanse heaven. There was evening and there was morning, the second day. God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together to one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. God said, Let the earth yield grass, herbs yielding seeds, and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind, with their seeds in it, on the earth. And it was so. The earth yielded grass, herbs yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit, with their seeds in it, after their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening, and there was morning, the second day. God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs to mark seasons, days, and years, and let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. God said, Let the waters abound with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the large sea creatures and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarmed, after their kind, and every winged bird after its kind. God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. God said, Let the earth produce living creatures after their kind, livestock, creeping things, and animals of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the animals of the earth after their kind, and the livestock after their kind, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. God saw that it was good. God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In God's image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb yielding seed, which is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which bears fruit yielding seed. It will be your food. To every animal of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. The heavens, the earth, and all their vast array were finished. On the seventh day God finished his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because he rested in it from all his work of creation, which he had done. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The Apostles' Creed, the first article. What is the first article? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean? I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger, and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does only out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus said, the lamp of the body is the eye. If, therefore, your eye is sound, your whole body will be full of light. But, if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious for your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor yet for your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food, and the body more than clothing? See the birds of the heavens, that they don't sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them aren't you of much more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add one moment to his lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil, neither do they spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed like one of these." But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today exists and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, won't he much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore don't be anxious, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we be clothed? For the Gentiles seek after these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Each day's own evil is sufficient. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Rend your heart, and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God for he is gracious and merciful. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, for he is gracious and merciful. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, for he is gracious and merciful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the catechism, there are six chief parts, the first of them being the Ten Commandments. The commandments will show us all that God wants us to do and not to do, what to do and not to do in relation to God, or to earthly authority, or to our neighbor. And if you read the small and large catechisms on the commandments, you will hear that if you do what the commandments command, life will go well for you. And if you disobey what the commandments command, life will go extremely poor for you, at least for as much as is in your control. And you'll also see in the catechisms that this truth of obedience and disobedience is true not just for us as individuals, but for us as households, cultures, and societies. Indeed, the Ten Commandments are very plain, clear, simple, and exhaustive. They teach and summarize everything in God's law that we need to know about it. From the commandments, we know everything we need to do and not to do. But the problem is, we are too frail and weak to keep them. The devil twists them. Our world rejects them and tramples on them. Our flesh wants to find loopholes in them so we can try to justify ourselves. Yet, if you've noticed, the flesh of man has not been successful in finding loopholes in the commandments since woman ate of the fruit. And our flesh has tried over the millennia to find loopholes, (laughs) but there are none. No loopholes exist in God's commandments and creation. If our catechism and our scriptures stopped at the Ten Commandments, well, then our religion would be a religion of terror and despair without hope. We'd constantly be trying to justify ourselves with these commandments. We'd continuously be trying to twist them or degrade them so that we could make them attainable for us. We'd never be able to stop trying to justify ourselves. There would be no rest. We'd be constantly scratching and crawling to meet the commandments, commands. And at the the end of the day, we'd always find, always find, that we'd be falling far, far, far too short. And the end result would always be our hopelessness. And from that, an immense hatred of God and his creation. But our catechism doesn't stop at the first chief part. Our scripture does not stop at the Ten Commandments. Instead, the commandments are followed in our catechism right away by the creed, the summary of the faith itself, the creed which makes our religion the true religion of comfort, of faith, hope, and love. Luther states The creed teaches us to know God fully. In the creed, we hear how God not only created us, but also redeemed us by fulfilling these commandments for us in his Son, and by taking our punishment from us and giving it to his Son, and by sanctifying us in this forgiveness by his Holy Spirit. We are now in this creed, which we are baptized into, we are fulfilled and made holy by God. So that Luther says, the creed is intended to help us do what we ought to do according to the Ten Commandments. In the creed, we know where and how to receive such power so as to to attain what they command. We learn in the creed how we may love, cherish, and faithfully do and follow what we learned in the in the Ten Commandments. Not for our salvation but from our salvation. Now concerning the Apostles Creed there's an ancient church folklore that says the Creed was created by the Apostles themselves and that since there are 12 lines to the Apostles Creed that it shows that each Apostle must have added one line to the Creed. Hence the Apostles Creed. However, As our knowledge of church history has increased, we know that this is not true. Our particular Apostles' Creed came out of the Roman tradition, not Roman Catholic, but out of ancient Rome, the Christians there. Yet this folklore gave rise to the tradition of teaching the Apostles' Creed as 12 different articles, each line being an article that needs to be taught, since each one was given by an apostle, supposedly. Teaching the creed this way, however, can become overwhelming, especially for newcomers to the faith, especially the youth. And teaching it that way can miss the heart of what the creed is telling us, teaching us. And so we Lutherans, since the Reformation, have taught that there are not twelve, but three articles of the creed which you need to know to be Christian. Three articles to match the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God, three articles, one creed. The creed then can be summarized in simple, succinct words which teach us the faith. And these are the three words with which the creed can be summarized with. Creator, Redeemer, Sanctifier. Those three words, Creator, Redeemer, Sanctifier, properly understood. That's the faith. Could we keep the Ten Commandments on our own? We would not need to learn the creed. We wouldn't need to know anything of creation, redemption, or sanctification. But as it is, we are blind sinners in need of being taught that we have been created to be redeemed and sanctified. Now tonight, our focus is on the first article of the creed, which says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker, we could say creator, of heaven and earth. This confession is simple, succinct. It teaches us, as Luther says, the Father's essence, will, activity, and work in such few short words. Yet what is so special about this article of faith? Well, to be fair, it does separate us in belief from those that call themselves atheists and some agnostics, those who are so willingly blind so as to convince themselves that all we see, hear, taste, touch, smell, all of it wasn't created by God but has always been here, That is the physical world which has always existed in some way, shape, or form. So the Creed, yes, it does separate us from those types, those atheists whom the Bible describes as the ultimate fools. But beyond that, is there anything really special or uniquely Christian about this first article? Outside of the fools, isn't it obvious to everyone that all of this around us and us ourselves had to be created by God? Wouldn't the Jews, Muslims, pagans, and all heathen be able to confess this article of the creed with us, to stand on it with their beliefs just as as much as we stand on it with our Christian faith? And well, to an extent, this is true. We confessed in the small catechism tonight that God, as our creator, has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, and so on. Indeed, yes, Jews and Muslims and others could fully agree with us on what we just said there, what we just confessed there. So the whole world, unless they are willingly foolish and blind believes this about God. But, the world does not understand the word creator. It does not see God as father. We begin to see how this article is uniquely Christian and true against other beliefs as we, with Luther, begin to ask questions about this article, such as, what do these words mean? Which is also to ask, What kind of person is God? What does he do? How can we praise and show and describe him that he may be known, all those straight out of the large catechism? Yes, God is the creator who has given us everything. He has created us, our bodies and souls, and our life. He has created everything great and small about us. He has created everything that we have, our homes and possessions. He has created and given us everyone that we have, our parents, spouses, children, friends, neighbors, so on. He has created and given us the world we live in, the earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars. All of this he created, we say, ex nihilo. That is, he created it out of nothing. He created it himself. And he alone has continued to sustain and uphold the creation which he created. Therefore, we know that creation, the physical world, yes, it is good. Now it is corrupted and fallen from sin, but what God created is good. As he so often saw every day throughout the week of creation, we heard that throughout the reading, and God saw it is good. Creation is good. So we reject religions and philosophies and ideals that want to reject the physical world that put down the physical world, that want to pit the physical world against the spiritual or even the virtual. What God created is good. The sin which has corrupted that creation is what we despise and hate. And since God created everything, we know that we cannot claim that we have created ourselves. We cannot claim to have created anything that we have. Even when we as mankind, when mankind creates, whether through the procreation of children or creation in, in different fields or arts or sciences, creation so maybe even on the farm, growing crops, whenever we create, we create out of what he created. We don't create out of nothing. We create out of what he created. So truly, when we create, it shows that God has merely made us participants in his creation and that it is him who ultimately creates, even if it's through us. And if he created everyone and everything, then no one owns himself. No one can preserve himself. No one can claim anything in in creation is his unless the creator created it and gave it to him. No one can support his own body and life unless the Creator sustains that life in his creation, unless he makes it rain on the just and the unjust alike. That's the only way any of us survive. Now, knowing all this about God as Creator, can anyone say that the world really knows God as the Creator? And to that we can emphatically say, no, they do not. If the world knew God as creator, as father, then the world would know that it's our duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. But look at the world. Nobody thanks and praises God. Instead, they curse and spit at him. They don't serve and obey him. They instead pervert his creation and fail to know him. And how do we know this? Because the world sneers at the Ten Commandments and breaks them constantly. Instead of seeing God the creator and obeying the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, the world makes gods out of all kinds of creation all the time. So that in the world there are idols of carved images of creation. Idols of money, idols of self and the glory of men. Idols of making gods of even living animals and even making a god out of the earth or the cosmos. Everything in creation is a gift from God for us to enjoy as he has given those gifts to us. And yet, what does the world do with these gifts? It does not thank it's creator for the food on our tables. Instead, the world thinks it produced that food itself from itself. The world does not desire good government or peaceable, quiet lives in which we can rejoice in our creator. Instead, the world craves power and riches no matter who is killed or what goods are stolen or whose reputation is tarnished. Just look at all the politics and war going on right now. The world does not desire marriage as one man and one woman from which children can come forward in a household that praises God so the child can be born in a house to live to fear and love God. Instead, the world wants to define marriage by its own sexual desires, for its own sexual pleasure. It really wants to destroy marriage, as so many advocates have confessed. It wants to pervert sexuality so that sexuality is not about the one-flesh union in marriage and children that are fruition of that, but so that sexuality becomes about selfish desires and other people become objects of it. The world does not want to see creation as a gift from God. Instead, it covers the perverse desires of its own heart by hating the creation we are giving, twisting the creation to use it as our sinful hearts want instead of as God gave it to us. The world hates what is physical. If the world saw and believed God as its creator and father, Then the world would think and praise him, rejoicing in everything we are given by his hand. And the world would serve and obey him as the Ten Commandments teach, they'd be faithful to the commandments. But the world does none of this. So the world does not understand him as creator, not truly. In short, the first article is the answer given us to the first commandment. So when we look at the first commandment, you shall have no other gods, who is this God telling us that? Who is the God that we should have alone? It is God the Father, the Creator, who gave us all of creation as a gift to be enjoyed, and whom we should praise, thank, serve, and obey as the commandments teach us. Well, consider this for a second. Knowing that we need to thank, praise, serve, and obey him for our creation and all the gifts of creation. What should our reaction be to this article? As sinners, what should our reaction be to this article? It ought to be sheer terror and despair. Because just as we learn from the commandments, so we learn here. We ought to thank, praise, serve, and obey our, our God, our Creator, We ought to believe him when he says he created us and shows us the laws of his creation and the commandments. But we're sinners. We don't believe him. We don't listen to what he says. In our gospel, we heard that we ought not worry about food and drink and clothing and our body. But we worry about all that stuff. We get anxious because our sinful flesh hates God and our sinful flesh doubts that its creator, will actually provide for us. So then we're led to be anxious for our needs. We're anxious about how and when we will die. Our sinful flesh strives to serve mammon, that is, riches, and not he who created those things we need and who provides them for us constantly. So because we don't believe Because we don't see his goodness that comes from his hand, that ought to terrify us. So then, just like the Ten Commandments, if the faith stopped merely here at this first article, if the faith understood the first article as the world and other religions do, we would be left with fear and dread and no hope. Because there is nothing we could do to make up for our sins of disbelief in the Creator. But the first article doesn't stop there. In fact, in faith, we go on to confess about the first article about God the Father saying, He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does out only out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. That is, Our Creator knows we cannot fulfill His law, that we of ourselves are so corrupted and blind in sin that we are not able in any way to thank, praise, serve, and obey Him in and of ourselves. So out of His fatherly divine goodness and mercy, from His love for us without any worthiness in us, He sent His only begotten Son into the world to die and rise again to redeem us. And in his Son, in our baptism under the cross, he defends us against all dangers and guards and protects us from all evil. In baptism, he takes us. He takes us his creation that was corrupted by sin and purifies us into his perfect creation again, into the image of his Son. And he will continue to recreate us in baptism until the day we rise again in the Spirit. So that baptized we are now able to see God as our Father. Our Father who created us in our mother's wombs and who recreates us in the church's womb at the font. We are able to see that He provides all our needs at our dining room table at home and at His table here in His congregation, the altar. And for that, in our baptism from our salvation, we are able to now praise, thank, serve, and obey him. Glory be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. behold now is the accepted time behold now is the day of salvation let us therefore show ourselves as the ministers of god in much patience in watchings in fastings and by love unfeigned is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let us therefore show ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in watchings, in fastings, and by love unfeigned. O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I said, O Lord, be merciful unto me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in thee. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. O Lord, save our rulers, let the King hear us when we call. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. Let us pray for our absent brethren. O thou, our God, save thy servants that trust in thee. Let us pray for the brokenhearted and the captives. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Send him help from the sanctuary, and strengthen them out of Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Thy loving kindness, According unto the multitude of Thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against Thee, Thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in Thy sight, that Thou mightest be justified when Thou speakest, and be clear when Thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice." Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood-guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Wash me thoroughly, O Lord, from mine iniquity. Turn us again, O God of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. Arise, O Christ, for our help, and redeem us for thy mercy's sake. Hear my prayer, O Lord. And let my cry come unto Thee. Heavenly Father, Your Word gives life and has created and sustains all things. We thank You for the sun, the moon, and the stars, which give light to the earth and order our days and seasons. We give thanks to You for the expanse of the sky, for the water that sustains all of life, and for the dry land upon which we live. We give thanks to You for the plants and animals of Your creation. You have given all of this to us for our good and for our enjoyment. We give thanks to you that you have created us in your image, male and female, to be fruitful and multiply and to have dominion over the creation. We thank you for ordering our lives and giving us rest and refreshment through your word. But most of all, we thank you for redeeming us and all of creation from sin and death through the gift of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to trust in you as our Creator and to believe in your Son for eternal life and salvation. Look down favorably, we beseech you, O Lord, upon the devotion of your people, that they whose bodies are mortified by abstinence may, by the fruit of your grace, be refreshed in mind. O Lord, mercifully hear our prayer, and stretch forth the right hand of your majesty to defend us from them that rise up against us. Almighty and everlasting God, who hates nothing that you have created, and forgives the sins of all those who are penitent, create and make in us new and contrite hearts, that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Give peace in our days, O Lord, because there is none other that fighteth for us except thou, our God. O Lord, let there be peace in thy strength and abundance in thy towers. through the merits of Jesus Christ our Saviour, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast so graciously protected us this day. And we beseech thee to forgive us all our sins and the wrong which we have done. And by thy great mercy, Defend us from all the perils and dangers of this night. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Christ the King podcast this evening. We pray it's a blessing to your devotional life and the week ahead. Join us again this Sunday for the second Sunday in Lent, also known as Reminiscere Sunday or the Sunday of the Syrophoenician Woman. We encourage all of our listeners to look us up on Facebook under Christ the King Lutheran Church or CTK Spencer. If you enjoyed this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, tell a friend, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listened. If you would like to be on our mailing list for the podcast or want to leave feedback, you can contact us on Facebook or at the email addresses listed at the top of the bulletin. That's all for this week. Until next time, go forth and serve the Lord. I am Pastor Michael McGinley, signing off.